Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, November 15th, 2021, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this week we are continuing our study on the book of Romans, and we'll be specifically looking at Romans chapter 9, verse 30, through the end of chapter 10. This morning, as we come to a beautiful passage on the urgency of gospel proclamation, which encourages us to be faithful gospel witnesses to the world, this reminds us our call in life and everything that we do is to make the gospel known. Romans 9-11 through deals with the problem of Jewish unbelief. And while Romans 9 deals with the sovereign purposes of God, Paul shifts in Romans 10 to human responsibility through the call to believe and the urgency of evangelism. And then in Romans chapter 11, we will see Paul address the question of Israel's future belief. What's amazing about Romans 10 is that the chapter dealing with human responsibility is bookended by chapters dealing explicitly with God's sovereignty. This shows us that the idea of human responsibility and God's sovereignty are not at odds with each other, but instead work in beautiful harmony. The Lord is sovereign, but we must still believe and then go and tell the world. So Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 30. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have obtained it? That is a righteousness that is by faith? But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching the law? Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if they were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear witness, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him on whom they have never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? 
So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not all heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says all day long, I have held up my hand to his disobedient and contrary people. Here, ending Romans 9, we see the problem is that most Jews trusted in their religious works for salvation. They were seeking their own righteousness apart from Jesus. In contrast, many Gentiles were coming to righteousness by saving faith in Christ alone. The Jews had the law and the prophets which spoke of the Messiah, but instead they missed and stumbled over the laws which they had created. They created their own tradition, laws which they could follow, yet they missed the very nature and purpose of God's law. God's law was created to show sinful men just how desperate we are and in need of a Savior. So the Jews' law was blinding them from the grace that Jesus offered. Paul quotes here Isaiah 26.16 in Romans 9.33. And in context, Isaiah 26.16-17 actually says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste, and I will make justice the line, and righteousness the plumb line, and hell will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. In other words, God was providing a way of salvation in Christ. He was fulfilling the law and eroding all confidence in the flesh. The new covenant would be one initiated by the blood of Christ. Jesus, who lived the perfect life, exchanged his righteousness for our sinfulness. He took our condemnation and we take his praise. He destroys death and sin while we stand in sanctification and justification. And this flies in the face of works-based salvation. However, the Jews were clinging to the law as their source of righteousness. This leads us to Romans 10, which we can see under three headings. First, a burden for the lost. But then second, grace alone by faith alone. Salvation comes by grace alone through faith alone. And then third, the urgency of evangelism or the urgency of gospel proclamation. So this first heading, a burden for the lost, we see that in verses one through four. Paul expresses an intense burden for his people, the Jews, Do we have the same burden for the lost around us? Are we burdened for our family, our neighbors in the world? Grace should humble us and cause us to desperately long for others to know the saving grace of God as well. We see three steps Paul takes to address the burden he carries for the lost, and especially the Jews that we should mimic as well for our neighbors and those around us. First thing we see is that Paul prays for the lost. Paul proclaims in verse 1 that his heart's desire and prayer is for Christ to be known. In Romans chapter 9, verse 3, he says, For I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. This mimics Moses' prayer for the Israelites after their rebellion in the wilderness with the golden calf. 
God has said after this rebellion with the golden calf, after Moses had gotten the Ten Commandments, that that that, that God would not take these stubborn, stiff-necked people into the promised land, that he would not fulfill his promise. But Moses, knowing the promises of God and knowing that God was true to his word, comes in Exodus chapter 32, verse 31 and 32, and he says, So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold, but now... If you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me. This is Moses speaking of himself out of your book that you have written. Brothers and sisters, Paul and Moses both had such a zeal for the lost around them that they wanted them to know the goodness and the grace of Christ Jesus over and above their own salvation. Do we have that earnestness for the lost? Are we praying to God with that earnestness for the lost? May the prayer of our heart be for the lost and their salvation. May the refrain of Psalm 67 be the refrain of our heartbeat and our deepest prayer, that the lost would find salvation in no other name but Jesus Christ. Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known upon the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the earth earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. We must pray for the lost, but then second, the second step we see Paul take to address his burden for the lost is that he is a witness to the truth. Paul questions the decision-making and the zeal of the Jews. They were zealous for the law and deciding to disregard the grace of Christ. The Jews were putting stock and hope in flesh and not in Christ. We see in Philippians chapter 3, 7-11 through 11, that Paul gives witness of his own life how before he came to Christ, he had discarded the truth of the gospel and was holding to the law. But now in Christ, he now counted the law as rubbish in order that he may gain Christ. This is what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In the same way, we cannot hesitate sharing the truth in love. We must speak the truth of the gospel to the world. We must pray for the lost, be a witness to the truth. But then the third step we see Paul take to address his burden for the lost, he points to grace-based righteousness. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We must point to the grace of King Jesus. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. You see, brothers and sisters, we must point the loss to grace-based righteousness. The law exposes our sin, but the grace of God shows us 
that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did what we could never do. He lived the life that we could never live, but he died the death that we deserve to give, live. And then he conquered it all when he rose on the third day. Uh, we must point others to grace-based righteousness. So we pray, we witness to the truth, and we point to grace-based righteousness as an overflow of our God-given burden for the lost. But that brings us to the second heading we see in Romans 10, is that that is that salvation is by grace alone and by faith alone. Paul uses quotes from the Old Testament to show the righteousness by grace alone through faith alone was a true fulfillment of the law. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 14, in verses 6 through 7 of Romans 10. And Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 14 says this. It says, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who shall ascend to heaven for us to bring it to us, that we may hear and do it. Neither is beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it. But the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Notice the fulfillment that Paul adds here in Romans chapter 10. He inserts Christ as the one who will bring salvation from heaven and the deep for us. Where Deuteronomy says, who will bring it for us? Paul inserts that Christ will bring it for us. He wants us all to see that we cannot do this. We cannot go and bring it for ourselves. And there is no other human being that can go and bring it for us. It is only Christ. There is no other suitable person than Jesus Christ. And that's only through grace alone, by faith alone. Furthermore, Paul quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4, when he says in verse 6, Do not say in your heart. The context of the rest of Deuteronomy 9 is beautiful as we see the fulfillment of God's grace. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 4 through 5 says, Do not say in your heart what we see in Romans chapter 10. After the Lord, Yahweh, his covenant name, your God, has thrust them out before you. Listen to this. It is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord, Yahweh, his covenant name, is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going to possess the land, but because the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God, is driving them out from before you, that he may confirm the word that the Lord, Yahweh, his covenant name, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. It was not because of the people's righteousness, nor because of our righteousness, that the Lord is bringing us true life but because of his great promise enacted by his own grace and faithfulness. And this brings us to verse in Romans chapter 10 that is one of the best expressions in the Bible of what it means to be a Christian. Romans chapter 10 verse 9, when it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then what? You will be saved. And then from Romans chapter 10, verses 10 through 13, Paul goes on to show the universality of salvation. This righteousness by grace alone is for anyone who trusts in Jesus by faith alone, the Jew and the Gentile. And to highlight this truth, Paul quotes from Joel chapter 2, verse 32 and verse 13, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. This is what it says in full context in Joel. It says this, Joel chapter 2, verse 32, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, again Yahweh, his covenant name, shall be saved. Now listen to this. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be among those whom the Lord 
calls. You see, by quoting from Joel, Paul supports not only that salvation comes from faith alone, but also that Jesus is the Messiah, the fully divine Son of God. Joel uses three times his covenant name, Yahweh, the covenant name of God given to Abraham and to Moses in the burning bush. And by using this passage, Paul loudly proclaims, Jesus, he is the Lord God. He is the Messiah. And it's only through this Messiah that salvation can be found by grace alone, through faith alone. And this brings us to the third heading of Romans chapter 10. And that is the urgency of gospel proclamation. Quoting from Isaiah, Paul begins in chapter chapter 10, verse 14, that how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? This call to evangelism is best understood in reverse order. Christ sending evangelist. Evangelist preaching. Hearers believing. Believers calling. Calling on God to bring salvation. You see, beloved, unless we are sent, the good news will not be announced. And therefore, how will they hear? If they cannot hear, how will they believe? And if they do not believe, who will call upon the name of the Lord? In God's sovereignty, man is responsible to be a messenger. And messengers are essential to the gospel. And there is urgency in our evangelism. Romans 10, 15 says, As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Leon Morris in his commentary on Romans says this. He says, messengers normally traveled on foot and the feet of the significant members. They might be dirty and smell after a long, hot journey. But to those who eagerly awaited good news, they were the most beautiful of feet. Beloved, those without the gospel of Christ Jesus are perishing, and we must take the gospel to them, for faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We are therefore commissioned to speak of the glorious gospel and to point others to the precious word of Christ, for in it are the power of salvation to all who believe. In the final three verses of the chapter, in summary, Paul shows that this gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's also for the Gentiles. Therefore, we must preach the gospel at home, but we must also take it to the nations. The Jews were holding on to the law, believing salvation was just for them, just for the Jews, not for those barbarian, unclean Gentiles. But the truth is the gospel is even for the vilest of sinners, sinners like me. Oh, beloved, see the urgency of the gospel. Use your life and your vocation to make the gospel known. No matter what you do, no matter who you are, make the gospel known. Carl F.H. Henry was quoted as saying, the gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. So trusting in the sovereignty of God, we make it our responsibility to make known the mystery of the beautiful and matchless gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only in Christ that we can be saved and made righteous. And so if you are a professional person, make the gospel known in everything that you do. If you are, if you are a, a, a stay-at-home mom or a, or a teacher, make the gospel known to your children. Make the gospel known to your neighbors. This is why at Lifeline, our ministry is so much bigger 
than just helping pregnant women through crisis pregnancies. Our ministry is so much bigger than just placing orphans into families. Our ministry is so much bigger than just helping vulnerable families. We want to introduce them to the gospel because they are perishing apart from the gospel. Millions and billions of people around the world have still never heard the gospel. And the nations are coming to us. They're in our neighborhoods, they're in our schools, and they're in our communities. And we must preach the gospel. Preach the gospel, beloved, in and out of season, because there is an urgency for evangelism and gospel proclamation. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Costa Rica. We are praying specifically for the country and the central authority the local church, missionaries, and our unadopted ministry, the children of Costa Rica, and the adopted families in Costa Rica. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to lift up the country of Costa Rica to you. We specifically recognize the central authority and Pani, that you would provide them wisdom and encouragement and resources as they evaluate children and families and work hard to advocate for better processes. Lord, we just pray that that those at Pawnee would come to know you as a Savior and Lord. And specifically, we pray for our major contacts there and lift them up to you. For Jorge, the adoption director. For Sonia and Yesenia and Sylvia, who lead the adoption psychologists and, and social workers. We pray for the protection unit that oversees our license for unadopted, our mission trips, and our trainings. Lord, would you continue to have them grant us favor? And Lord, would you be with the regional offices? Would you be with the regional offices that ha- are having problems? And would you, would you help bring resolution to these problems so that they can better advocate for the children? And Lord, we pray for the country overall, that the country would come to know the beautiful gospel, the gospel that we speak of, that, that we are urgent to proclaim. Would you make that gospel known throughout Costa Rica? We pray for the local church and missionaries and organizations. We pray that they would share the gospel more effectively and with boldness. We pray specifically for the Zirkles who run the Methodist home and, and that partner with us. Lord, would you would you continue to, to surround them and show love to them? Would you be with Casa Viva, this nonprofit that's running the entire foster care system for the country? Would you give them strength and wisdom? And Lord, we pray for Oscar as he continues to develop relationships with local pastors and congregations. And Lord, give us wisdom and opportunities for unadopted as we plan for future caregiver and foster care trainings as well as mission trips. And Lord, we just praise you for the opportunity to be able to to help Pawnee get TBRI trained and several of their workers. But Lord, we also pray for the children. We pray for their hearts. They may know you as their heavenly father and that you will comfort them in their distress. We pray for advocates to arise that would love and care for and help these children. Lord, we know that many of these children will spend year in care without receiving abandonment decrees due to a failed system. But I just pray that you would rise up the right people to fight for them and help them either be reunited to their families or to find a forever family through adoption. We certainly pray for older children approaching their teen years. Lord, would you give direction for them in their life and that they would know their purpose as children of God. And Lord, we pray for all those families that have adopted and we pray for them as they continue to transition and that you give them wisdom and and guidance and understanding and that you would help their children to completely uh, be able to acclimate and to attach and to become a full member of that family. And Lord, as well, we pray for the families in process. We pray that you give them patience and wisdom 
as they can continue to to go through with uh, this process? And would you give them peace and endurance? Would they use this time wisely as they prepare uh, for what's to come? Lord, we also pray for future families. We pray that you would bring more families to our midst, gospel-driven, mission-minded families who are open to children ages 10 and above and to sibling sets. Would you, would you bring families to this program who do not just want to give a home to a child, but we want to disciple them. And with the urgency of the gospel beating in their chest, point them to the gospel of Christ Jesus. Oh, Lord God, be with this country. Be with our efforts in this country. And may you be glorified and praise in Costa Rica. It's in your great name that we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.